Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Dynasty As They Want To Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host and husband, Kyler K. Jafari. Buenas noches, señores, señori. <laughs> Why does my terrible pygmy Italian make you laugh so hard? I don't know. It's just funny because this week's episode is like in a church, and I don't know. Is that why you're speaking Italiano to me? No, it's because we, we had that weird short rib, I don't know, reduction, funky south of France sauce. I don't know. I don't know what the hell that was that we had for dinner. It was delicious. What are you talking about? Why are you like bemoaning the delicious short rib rigatone? It was super duper delicious and also super delicious is our drink tonight, which is the uh, old fashioned, which we've had a million of these. That's why they're old fashioned. (laughs) So yes, it's just uh, bourbon bitters, a little sugar, maybe dress it with fruit. The ladies like fruit as the cocktail book says, which I find sort of offensive. Yeah, they need to rewrite that yeah. shit. Ugh, God, that cocktail woke. books are not woke at all, but whatever. Anyway, here we are. So we're still living our corona life. Things are getting shut down again. Surprise, surprise. Everybody out there is being a dum-dum, so we can't go get our hair did. We can't go get our nails done. We can't go, you know, to the theater. I really am missing, like, live performances and theatricality i'm sorry but like digital drag shows and drive-in movies aren't just doing it for me i want to like go sit in a teatro and you know watch a fat lady sing or you know watch somebody prance about the stage there really is nothing like a fat lady singing well i mean we i'm were... not even kidding by the way i mean that's, that's no i know sort of i mean we were so deal. desperado that we were watching like opera clips the other day on youtube like this is what that's we how need. bad it is that's just how that's how bad it is you know i one of the things i always think about when going to like a theatrical performance in la is the time that i drug you to um what's that dragged me you dragged me what's that theater what's the theater called oh yeah 
when I took you to the Geffen Theater for an opening night. I can't well, even you know, remember. Well, you know, L.A. has this thing where it thinks it sort of has a theater scene, but it really doesn't. But, it has actors. But there's no theater scene anywhere, so God forbid you have theater anywhere. So, yes, the Geffen Theater. But it's, the Geffen is like this really cute uh, theater. It's right near UCLA. And, you know, in my former life... It's kind life, of an excuse for people who used to act in movies to do indulgent stage productions well it's such a small theater it's not like they're going to be putting on bye bye birdie or something and so it's normally you know thoughtful plays and things like that but um i took you i was invited you know in my former life as a illustrious (laughs) entertainment reporter i was invited to the opening night of some play and i'll never forget do you remember what the play was i don't remember (laughs) no it was very forgettable i have no idea what play it was i think it had something to do about the military oh god yeah you're right maybe like don't ask don't tell the play or something i don't know it it was laying the groundwork for hamilton But I'll never forget, I brought you along with me. And I don't, you know, you're not always my plus one because you've got your own life going on. No, I'm a shitty party guest. I'm, I'm here to say. <laughs> well, you certainly were that night because we were at the like the wine and cheese VIP moment that was happening like after the play or at intermission or something like that. And we're just sitting there, you know, drinking some nasty Sauvignon Blanc or whatever it was. And this woman, this short cute little like older blonde woman kind of walks by and you go that woman looks just like swoozy kurtz and i was like kind of giggling because she whiplashed (laughs) she looked at me she was like who is this kid she was so offended that you said that and she turned and she looked and i looked and it was swoozy kurtz I mean, look. She I, heard you. I, I'm not here to drag on La Swoozy because I love Swoozy Kurtz. I just had no idea. You love a character actress. And I was just like a, you know, blinking in the headlights, Bambi-eyed young thing at that point. But <laughs> I think you were probably 30. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> I, I can have my, my dreams. You know what I'm dreaming about? Winning a podcast award i don't know if you've been campaigning for us kyler but we um does that mean i get like free toilet paper for a year god i wish i think it's just a trophy and you know i can't wipe my butt with a trophy (laughs) well you could you could do something with your butt in a trophy but yeah no we um, don't say sit on it what about spinning on it But yes, we would love if all of our listeners out there, all the darlings, went to podcastawards.com and nominated us to be awarded the TV and film trophy. So if you just go to podcastawards.com, sign up to nominate, and then scroll down to the D section. We're right there. Dynasty as they want to be. Please vote for us we need the attention vote for me me. no we need the love and the admiration and you know all the money that comes with it and you knew you know who needs the money our bank well people who mortgaged our house (laughs) well they do definitely no i was gonna say sammy joe Excuse me, I mean Samantha, who is back in this week's episode. I have so many things to say. Well, I'm ready to get into it. Should we just take a break and start talking about this week's episode, Samantha? Let's get into it to the hilt. 
Today's installment of Dynasty As They Want to Be is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our darlings a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash nastypodcast. That's N-A-S-T-Y podcast to browse their unrivaled selection of audio programs. You can actually listen to the late great goddess Diane Carroll read her autobiography, Legs of the Last to Go, where she dishes on Dynasty and details her struggle being the first African-American actress to start in her own television series. There's so much material on Audible that's magnifying black voices. It's great. To get started, simply go to audibletrial.com slash nasty podcast, or you can text nasty podcast to 500 500. Well, Dynasty does as Dynasty do, and they give it all away in the opening credits. First of all, the name of the episode is Samantha, and then you see Heather Locklear back in the mix, and people skiing in the background, and her sitting on the pool table. I'm not going to allow them to control the narrative like that, because, like... That's not what the name of the episode is billed as. Like you would only know that if you had your TV guide on the coffee table from 1982, uh, which most people did or did not. But who who cares? So here mm, we are. That's true. They did or they did not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. You know. Don't hedge your bets too hard. And so. I think that Heather Locklear showing up in this episode's kind of like the least of the problems, but we can get into all of that. I yeah, think that, it really isn't that big of a deal. No, I it, mean it really isn't a deal. But there's so and many other things happening. If it's supposed to be a big deal, sorry, it's not. And also, the director's kind of probably the bigger issue in this episode. I don't even know that uh, what was it, Bob Sweeney or whoever. I don't even know that he directed episodes before this, or maybe one or two. I, at some point i don't know anyway the feeling and the taste and the aesthetic of this episode is so off key um i don't know how you could not just like roar with laughter uh while you watch this whole 48 minute disaster zone yeah there were a lot of like laughs in this episode and not for like good reasons but i have to think if you're like a fan of dynasty and you're loving the players in the game that I don't know. There was like a lot happening that just kind of like tickled me. So even if it wasn't done in like the most dynasty of ways, I was still here for it. And starting with John Forsythe, he really had a lot to chew on in this episode. He had a lot to chew on, but he didn't shave the whole episode. So there's like this like five o'clock shadow John Forsythe character happening. I mean, basically everybody's lost their damn mind. Especially this whole um, episode. Yeah. Everybody is out of their minds. So that's first things first. But and that, the, you know, somebody's died or at least most of them all think somebody's died. But, but somebody's thought somebody's dead for like three or five episodes and Philip Laycock didn't screw it up this way so i don't know what's what what the deal here is like we've got like some i don't know some uh leftovers from colombo or something like do what, you what are think these? that john Forsythe grew that five o'clock shadow as some sort of method acting? no he was on vacay and this was like they called him in to like do a couple episodes or something or an episode <laughs> so like he was like fine fuck it forget it i but. think it 
I think it's makeup. Like he's wearing Linda Evans' eyeshadow <laughs> as beard? Yeah, or mascara or whatever the darkest thing is they could find in the trailer. I don't know. I don't know if he actually grew a five o'clock shadow, but he is. Con- they are consistent. He has that growth. Well, he does have like the, the, the COVID episode. look because it's like the hair's not been cut. The beard's not been shaved for weeks. Well, and what I really like is that we get to the heart of the matter. He's driven by guilt. He knows it. Everybody knows it. The way that he fucking treated his bisexual, homosexual, whatever Language. sexual son. What? You can't say whatever sexual? Is that offensive? But the way that he treated his son is driving him to just fight for him to be alive and employ this psychic and cry up on the hill and do all of this cuckoo banana stuff. I do appreciate the the psychicism of that, you know, sort of plot point. However, Ugh. it's interesting because probably the best moment, and it's kind of the only thing that salvages this otherwise trash episode. Fuck you. I love this episode. No, this episode's great because it's sort of like a total bad taste disaster, um, which of course is like a good thing. Hello. Okay. But Ooh, you scared Crystal, me there for a Crystal shows up in this white jumpsuit with this like banana tied belt. Okay, thing. slow down. You're getting to the good stuff too soon. Am I not allowed to go there yet? I think we need to talk about the psychic because that's where we sort of left off in last week's well, episode. I think, and I, this guy is a total um, phony. Okay. I think the psychic and Blake are having some DL sex things on the side. You think they're like blowing each other in Stephen Carrington's old room? Yeah, maybe. Like he's reading. I told you, Kyler, to stay off the Dynasty fanfic forums. It taints your mind. Wait, you said taint? (laughs) Oh, God. You're going to go back to the Dynasty fanfic forums. No, I think... I'm going to have a whole chapter on taints. I don't know. What is this psychic doing other than like taking up space? I don't think he's actually making psychic predictions, at least not like Adriana was last season. He's just kind of like touching things and... I'm definitely getting those like Leonard Nimoy from the In Search Of series. Like Leonard Nimoy was like kind of undercover sexy but then like talking about like dead people talking to you from the other side and he was also sort of like you know we remember him from star trek and uh, one day so i'm I'm getting these vibes from the psychic where he's doing the leonard Leonard nimoy thing that maybe maybe that's what blake's all into and that's like his kink i don't know One day I'll have to tell my story about going to Leonard Nimoy's house, but we already talked about Susie Kurtz and I don't want people to think we're like star fuckers. Yeah, don't overload people. Yeah, we're not star fuckers, I promise you. (laughs) But I did go to Leonard Nimoy's house and he made me a cup of espresso. No, I just, I guess the psychic is really just sort of propelling Blake into this madness thinking that his son is still alive and this journey through guilt that he's going through that yes sends him to Blaisdell number one that original oil Derek where we had so many scenes in the first season it was kind of nice to like return to that location because remember every freaking episode they'd go to that stupid oil field do you know what you're doing here do you know yes sir This is where Stephen was happiest, where he was working. Right here. And I came here to try to reach him to make some kind of a contact with him. Must be somewhere. Must be. They 
They return to the Blaisdell number one, uh, which sounds like a dance move or a cocktail. I'm not really sure, but anyway. I'll have two. Um, Linda Evans shows up in this like white jumpsuit with the, the banana belt tied around her waist that she is the ghost um, of Claudia Blaisdell. And I'm sorry if you don't like this take, but she's looking like Claudia Blaisdell, who's going to turn up in a few episodes. I'm not spoiling anything. Sorry, this is been out for 35 years plus but also the the whole like idea of revisiting blaisdell geyser oil gusher oil whatever derek it's a derek yeah so like we're we're revisiting all of these like moments from the past and characters and things yet what you get is sammy joe oh samantha Samantha. Samantha. Excuse me. And if if a ghost ever really was earning their reputation, certainly Samantha is here to shake her rusty chains in your attic. All right. Well, blonde ghosts everywhere. That's what psychic Kyler Kajafari says. I just think it's funny that they drove to the oil derrick and climbed up that hill. But then when they got to the top, there was another road. So couldn't they have just driven up there? I mean, they could have, but that wouldn't have been as dramatic. Yeah. But in this episode, we also get Stephen Carrington's memorial service. Alexis is hell bent to, I guess, lay the memory of Stephen to rest. And everybody shows up. Well, I mean, everybody that's a cast member on this show it actually was a sparsely attended affair, I must say. I guess Stephen really didn't have that many friends. But um, everybody shows up except Blake. He refuses to... Oh, no. um, Stephen had a lot of friends. They just don't go to church. Mm. Anyway, hardly anybody's there. Jeff, Fallon, Mark Jennings does show up, and that's kind of weird. Everybody's taken aback by that. I can't deal with the Mark Jennings of it all because like, he has this weird moment with, with Alexis where he's basically talking down to her. When a woman cries and begins to tremble, that's what a man does. Especially when he realizes that the woman's in trouble. And you are. I can see that now. You're the one that's hurting. Really hurting. I am. So much. Well, you're alone. Your son's dead. You had a brother who never knew him. And he can't comfort you now. So in a way, I guess that's why you're here with me now. Isn't it? Talk about taking advantage of someone. He knows he was at the funeral. He knows that this woman is like mourning the loss of her son. And then he like gives this kind of like sales pitch about, well, you're lonely and I'm lonely and, you know, we might as well screw. And then he plants one big old mustached kiss on her and she goes for it which seemed a little out of character but you know when you're grieving like that you're not making the healthiest of choices the the film stock which this is part of the directorial problem here is also the film stock his his hair and mustache look extra 70s even though it's clearly 1982 Mm, it's actually 83 now well it's going into 1983 this was uh in january 1983 uh, Alexis like is also looking sort of like you know she's got the makeup and the clothes but she's looking a little bit pallid and sort of 
I don't know. Is, is everybody just supposed to look like they're ready to be buried in a coffin? Is that what this episode's about? Well, this episode mostly takes place at a funeral. So what do you expect? They're not going to be sexed up. I mean, there are better ways to grieve than to have sex with, than with your ex-wife's ex-husband. Ex-husband. Ex-wife's ex-husband. Say I that mean, again. If that's not ghost sex, I don't know what that is. That's definitely some degrees of separation, I guess, all the way to the grave. But yeah, you know, I do like that she tries to have an in-home massage and she's doing some self-care with a bath or something. Like those are much healthier ways to go through this than to let Mark Jennings put his racket in your shuttlecock. Well, I'm just I'm just continually aggravated by the Mark Jennings characters clearly supposed to be triggering us as an audience as somebody who does not respect alexis and you know is treating her as like just some woman who smokes cigarettes and screws around on her ex-husbands and like but that's not what her character is so um the the treatment's not the best but we are getting this whole like sort of subplot that maybe i don't even know if it's intended but it's like clearly there and that's why samantha shows up i mean she's just goes from the past like uh enter the dead it's like a Hitchcock film, like Vertigo, like where this woman that was once worshipped is dead and comes back and is here to wreak havoc on everybody's lives, you know? Yeah, we don't get a lot of info on what Sammy Joe has been up to. One of the gas station attendants on her way back to Denver does recognize her as uh, a woman who posed as a shipwreck victim in a girly magazine. Shipwreck. That your name? No, no. You, I uh, saw you in a magazine last week. One of those girly, girly jobs. You were laying on the beach after being shipwrecked. All your clothes lost at sea. How about that? <laughs> that was you, huh? Maybe. Look, my change, please. Fast, I want to get to Denver. Boy, you're in a big hurry. What's waiting for you there that uh, you can't get here? Maybe even better. Would you be surprised if I said a million dollars? That's a very specific reference for a girly magazine. It's more, more ghostly references. But yeah, like she tells the gas station attendant, she thinks this is going to be a million dollar payday, which is a lot more than what was that $20,000 that Alexis paid her off to leave? I so. will just say it only costs about $15 to fill up her tank, which actually is about all it costs to fill up a tank today. So here's to inflation and gas and oil barrel prices. And I just thought maybe that meant the inheritance but mm -mm, she's got a bigger plan cooked up and by cooked up i mean bun in her oven in the oven there's a baby i don't understand what the hell is this baby thing because we've already had you were shook when the baby came on the screen and you've seen this episode is there a second baby that i didn't know about like what's going on are there multiple babies who are inheritors to the throne or what's what's going on look the carrington blood must be extremely fertile blood is not fertile what kind of science are you okay semen the carrington semen must be very fertile yeah i don't know what's going on with them p's and them v's but yeah everybody's everybody got knocked up and had babies at the same time i guess do you really think that this is steven's baby why does the the fallon's baby gets a whole like 12 episodes but then like sammy joe aka samantha Samantha, uh, why does her baby get like a whole 
we get a whole catch up in one episode. Like, because she been hiding that baby, and Heather Locklear been filming TJ Hooker. Well, I mean, that kind of shuts everything down, though, doesn't it? Mm. I feel such a sense of satisfaction right now. I mean, I don't think that baby's really Stevens. I think this is another plot that Sammy Joe done cooked up. Of course it is. You're not expected to believe anything you're seeing here. So everything that seems like it's happening on the screen, no, it's not really happening. Well, I just know that, I mean, I'm, I know they had sex a couple of times, but I don't know if they had sex enough to make a baby. Where do babies even come from anyway? Well, we're living in the land of the ghosts. So uh, as far as this episode's concerned, like babies are like non-existent there's no you way think for- that was a ghost baby but possibly it doesn't matter what we think because blake calls everybody no to it the doesn't match. matter what we think the director has decided he's going to make a shitty columbo episode and call it fucking dynasty for a day and everybody's just gonna pretend like this this baby came out of nowhere and samantha's back and you know la 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 but like meanwhile this is like going down a road less traveled because this really should be where is claudia where is claudia i want to know where the fuck claudia is she's in the loony bin okay that's not politically correct oh i'm sorry she's in a mental health care institution okay she already said her goodbyes to the painting and the stairs and the banister okay uh, what do you what do you bring claudia into this for the episode's called samantha I'm and the next episode is called I'm irritated because sammy joe needs to go back to wherever the hell she came from i was so glad that Ohio. she was gone and i don't need another baby like we don't need more babies i just like i want what dynasty used to be like a season and a half ago and i'm not getting it and this is turning into just like dark shadows or something i don't know this is just like just bad like just cue the detergent commercials well i loved it i love the baby i love the sammy joe is back uh, frankly, I kind of like John Forsythe's Five O'Clock Shadow. He's pulling it off, whether it's makeup or overgrowth. I love it, and I just love the fact that like Sam Sammy Joe is this like villainess who's more empowered than ever, and she's got this huge chess piece. Well, hopefully, she'll just move on to Melrose Place soon enough, and we can be you know rid of this character. Honey, Melrose Place is decades away. Well, six years away, but yes. Well, the other thing that we didn't really talk about is it seemed like Fallon and Crystal had this like epiphany after Crystal gets back from climbing up the oil derrick. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry because I tried to invade your love for him to keep him for myself and not want to share him with anybody. I've been fighting you all the way all this time love I'm so sorry don't be nice to me Fallon you'll just turn on me again I don't know it was like a really touching scene and Linda Evans had like a lot to do besides like give side eye to psychics and she was really emotionally torn up and Fallon finally once and for all kind of apologized to everything she's done to Crystal these past few years since you know, she married her father. I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a minute. I feel like Fallon and Crystal are fundamentally incompatible, both on a high level as, as well as the way that they dress and the way that they talk to each other. So I no, I'm I'm not I'm not investing in in that fairy tale makeup. Well, damn. Never mind. 
And now for the part of the episode where Kyler and I choose our lurks of the week. Kyler, why don't you go first this episode? What look were you loving? Well, a thousand percent. We've been waiting for something to happen the last couple of episodes, and really nothing has. Uh, And here we have Kirby in this ridiculously Memphis dress. I don't know what it is. It's knit from top to bottom. The one at the funeral? Blue and black stripes. Oh, no. The one in the mansion. Yeah. You know, you would be forgiven for uh, maybe not noticing it at first. Oh, I noticed it. But, you know, it was very it was in a scene where literally Kathleen Beller didn't have a word to utter. Well, here's the thing. As much as I've been disliking the character, I'm loving Kathleen Beller and she has this thing where she has the the smoky eyes and the petite frame that sort of supports this 80s color palette maybe not so much the architecture but at least the color palette of the dressing of that time it is true we had her in red and black last week and now we got her in black and blue red and black or really any color in black is her color because black somehow complements what you know what she's up to so anyway here i i just i love this diagonal blue and black sort of sweater top dress thing that's happening and and it's it's sort of a little bit quintessential but it's also you know young dressing for the time oh and you could wear that today i don't know could you it does seem Hell a little bit period yeah. uh, no maybe maybe not you know but everybody else is just sort of like in botany 500 or you know Jean-Franco Ferrer or bill blast like but she's got something that's doing something a little bit different and seems young yeah there was a lot of funerary stuff but not like fabulous funerary because i guess you know it was sort of thrown together there's not even a body so nobody's gonna wear their black and best to the funeral i mean my god what crystal was wearing that weird fur hat with the matching wrap it was terrible she looked like a babushka yeah and that's not really crystal's thing but it was kind of weird how like that babushka hat looked like her hair so it was like where does the hair end and the hat begin i'm not really sure but but anyway my point with uh with kirby's look was that you've got like these like diagonal graphical stripes but they're knit uh sweater style and that's like so young and like uh sort of artistic in a sense you know which i I guess her character is supposed to be She's from the Sorbonne. It's so simple, but there was a choice made that clinched it for me. I did love that Kirby outfit and I noted it too, but I already chose her for the black and white, which I actually think was a little bit more superior and pulled together last week. But this week, I have to give it to Alexis Colby's robe when blake goes over to see her and she's wearing you know her hair in a in a towel she just got out of the bath i think probably a bubble bath she's got you know is this like a pre-makeup look a nice white fluffy robe on but the thing that cinched it for me is that she's got it monogrammed with her name but yeah i just love the juxtaposition she just looks so comfy cozy and you know blake has added the height of madness with his five o'clock shadow and his dirty clothes and his unkempt hair and she just looks great he really does look like he's gonna steal your plymouth 500 and there is a pièce de resistance she's wearing it with heels 
So when she goes to get Stephen Carrington's jacket, there's a little clump, clump, clump up the stairs to the bedroom. Love that. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to traipse around the house in a in a bathrobe, at least do it in cha-cha heels. Totally. She looks how I feel after I get out of the shower and put my face mask on. Well, Kyler, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Dynasty as They Want to Be. Well, for you, that's $14.85. Well, here you go. It's a 20. Um, I want to also thank Lindsay Mound, the artist who designed our gorgeous graphics, and the DJ Jugo, who did our theme song, and also you, the listeners. Don't forget, you can um, interact with us on social media. We're at Nasty Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places. Or just drop us an email, dynastyasthewannabe at gmail.com. Or you can go on our website. There's like a little form on there. If you have any questions or anything to say, I'm enthralled to see where we're going and what Danny is going to do. Not really. He's just a baby. Not another baby. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.